<laughs> I think we can go down. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Um, Epic starting this week, and with you starting next week, there's lots of things kicking in. I don't know about you, but February is starting to wind up. It's February already. Where did January go? And, and here we are, and it's a beautiful 40-plus degree day today, so it's actually brilliant to be inside in one of the coolest rooms in the entire sort of suburb right now. So welcome here this morning as well. I wonder if you've ever felt like you don't belong, like you're circling around the periphery but never actually kind of connecting in. Maybe you felt like that uh, you've, you've wanted to break in, but you just don't feel like you're part of something. That's what we're going to be unpacking this week. I remember being at primary school. Some of you might know about my particular hairstyle at primary school. Um, because when I went to primary school, I had a nickname. So kids are just, they're just so accurate, aren't they, in just naming it and saying it. Um, so I had two nicknames, but they're both related to the same sort of thing. So the first nickname was um, Boofhead. Years of counselling, which closely paralleled pumpkin head. (laughs) And uh, I had this technical sort of term for my hairstyle, which my mum reveled in. She thought it was just marvellous. It was a sort of family hand-me-down and they called it technically a double crown. So she used to comb that thing of a morning time and get that thing sitting up real nice and high. And and that that was a double crown, they called it. So I remember there were times at primary school where I felt very much in and there were other times where I felt like I was circling around the outside with kids and, you know, they could be mean, they'd turn on you and they'd call you that name, Boofhead, Pumpkinhead. Doesn't hurt me now. (laughs) But then there was years later, I actually went back and I'm thinking, what was that Boofhead, Pumpkinhead thing all about anyway? So I remember walking along the, uh, the, the hallway of the school, the primary school, and there was all these photographs of past students and past teams. I remember coming to the football team, and I used to play football. And I remember coming to this particular photo, and this was my class year level, you know, 1924. And it was sitting there, and I remember looking through going, man, yeah, I remember him, remember, who's that kid with the big head? It was me. There was Boofhead, there was Pumpkinhead sitting right there in the middle. There, double crown sitting up really high. Circling around the outside but never connecting in. It's easy to feel like that at times, isn't it? In fact, sometimes there's people around your community who will say the words that go something like this, I don't feel like I belong. I've been circling around on the outside but not really connecting in. I've been around it but not feeling like I'm really part of. In fact, if I could have one magic wand, it would be the belonging wand. I wish I could wave it every week over people. You don't feel like you belong, I just wave it over you. And there it is, instant friendships, instant connections. I could wave it over this way and instant friendships, instant connections. Walk in once, you feel like you're part of a place, you're connecting in and you're as deep as what you would like to go deep. And as shallow as what you'd like to go shallow. It's just you can just pick your own level. I wish I could have one of those wands. But I don't. And yet... I know there's folk every week, week in and week out, that there's this sense of circling around, but how do I actually... And so this entire term, because I hear that along the way, this entire term we've decided to call it arm's length. Because sometimes we're actually living our lives as though we're arm's length to others and actually not allowing them in. Or maybe I'm not allowing someone else in or maybe you're pushing others away and so we're calling it arm's length, moving from friendly to friends. And this is so important for me and so important to what the heart of new community really is all about. But we want to take a whole term just to talk about this one particular theme because it's that important. Because I don't have 
a magic belonging wand and I realise that it takes and requires different things for different people. I bumped into a gentleman who was a little older than myself but um, a friend uh, now um, some years ago and he, he found out that I was a minister of a church and he said these words to me. He said, you know what? You're my last chance. If you're a minister of a church, I'd like to come to your church because I've been looking for a church for a long time now and yours is the last chance. I went, whoa. <laughs> Man, that's, that really raises it, doesn't it? You know. And so I remember saying to him, well, what were the other church experiences like that you'd been to? He said, well, he, he had them ready to go. He had listed them off. He said, number one, the first church I went to, I went into this particular place and they were all speaking in funny different languages. And it wasn't like Eurasian and it wasn't like, you know, Afrikaans or it wasn't anything. It was, it was actually they were speaking this thing called speaking in tongues which is part of the Bible that talks about we don't have time to go into today. And he said, they're all talking this language I didn't understand. I said, what did you do? He said, well, I left. I said, did you go back? He said, no, because I didn't understand what they were doing. Didn't understand what they were saying. I said, what happened then? He said, well, I went to another church. And he said, I like that church. I said, well, why didn't you stay there? He said, well, I would go in each week and they were friendly, kind of. They would smile. But then when we finished the service, the gathering... He said, everyone turned in on themselves and talked to themselves amongst their friends. I said, what did you do? He said, I would sit there and wait. I would wait for someone to talk to me. I said, how long did you put up with this for? He said, weeks. I said, what did you do then? He said, I went to the minister of the church. And he said, I think you've got a problem here. He said, what's the problem? He said, well, I'm actually wanting to connect here in this church, but no one talks to me. He goes, yeah, I know, that's a problem. He knew. I said, what did he do? Did he do anything about it? He said, no. He just said it was a problem. <laughs> what? He said, I said, what did you do then? He said, I went to another church. I said, didn't you give up after two? He said, no, I went to another church. I said, well, why did you go to that church for? He said, because they were running a course called the Alpha Course. He said it was a, a course to understand more about Christianity. And you could sit in on this course, like this 10-week seminar, and you could ask questions that you wanted to ask about God and life. I said, how is that? He said, well, we got into our groups to talk about things, but all they wanted to talk about was something that was unrelated to my questions. I said, did you get to ask your questions? He said, no. I said, what did you do then? He said, I left. (laughs) And now I've met you. I said, you're welcome at our place. We'll try to be intelligible. We'll try to be more than surface friendly. And if you've got questions about life and God, you can ask them as well. But I tell you what, it's not perfect. In fact, it's hard. If I had a belonging one each week that I could wave over people, I would bring it out, open it up and wave it to my little heart's content. But everyone's different. Everyone does it in different ways. And so that's why this term, I think this theme is just so important, arm's length moving from friendly to friends, because I'm not asking you here today that we're all going to be best friends by the end of this term, but what I do hope is that we understand how the whole process works and that you might have formed one more significant contact, because what I discover is it only takes one friend to go a little bit deeper for you to feel like you're part of the whole.
And to do that today, what I want to do is go back to the beginning of the Bible and actually have a look at answering some questions. How is it this way and why is it this way? And if you're here this morning and the Bible's a new thing for you and you have an iPhone, you have a smartphone in some way, you can download this app. It's called Version. It's all for free and you can actually travel with us at any Sunday with the things that we're talking about. In fact, if you're new to the Bible, um, there's, there's a... The book we're looking at today, Genesis, you can just type that in. Uh, chapter 1, that's how it works in chapters. And then each of the lines are broken up. They call them a verse into numbers, 26 and 27. That's where we're going to start today. The letters at the end, NLT, New Living Translation. There's a few translations, but we won't get into that today. There's a Bible app that you can follow things with. Let's just start off this morning. Who and why do we actually get to this place in the first place? Because God says a lot of things. That's recorded in the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, which is not a scientific account. It's not a scientific textbook, but it's a poetic narrative that describes really answering the questions of who we are and how we are, the way we are. And who's behind the whole thing of creation, the plants and the matter that we see around about. So let's pick it up here, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. It says this, then God said, he's talking to his heavenly court throne room. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals, I love this part, that scurry along the ground. Scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. So if I apply this text and this little opening phrase, God's conversation If you were to glimpse at the person on your left and your right, the person behind and in front, there should be something about the people that you're looking at that reflects something of the image of God. Go ahead. Go take a little glance. Don't linger because it'll be awkward. (laughs) Some of you will be thinking, wow, God is a mighty fine, attractive God. And others will be going, whoa, that might be scary. Angry God, you know. Whew. In fact, if you're here this morning and you say, I don't really know much about what God is like at all, you actually might understand more about God than what you think. Because when they've tried to understand, what does this image of God mean? It means that some people have suggested that it means that human beings are God's, if you like, ambassadors, his representatives here on earth. And they ought to reflect something of what he's like. He understands compassion and kindness and mercy and justice and right and wrong and You have the capacity for friendship and relationship. In fact, that's the way God wired at the very beginning was that human beings would actually know him and be in relationship with him. And they would understand some of the qualities that God has. Doesn't mean that you are God. It means that you're part of what he's created. In fact, this whole narrative that's poetic narrative is trying to describe God's not the sun. God's not the moon. God's not the water. In fact, he's the one behind it. He's the who behind it that made it all. He's not the object. He's outside of that. And he loves it. Then it goes on. Wide for relationship, wide for companionship. Goes on in in chapter 2. And God says these things. He pronounces it and it's recorded. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. You see, it's this, this poetic way of setting up this garden state in which God's created these animals and he's created plants and he's created the earth and then he makes a man. And for the first time in the narrative, God says, it's not good for man to be alone. That's interesting. 
So when he places man in the middle of this garden, there's this sense in which he names this thing called aloneness. And so what God does there, just, just, just pause for a moment, he, he it, it describes God making man and then he brings all the animals to the man, Adam, and he gets him to name them. And this is a setup. This is where the, the narrative is going. This is a setup to explain something and to nail something about who we are and how we are. And so uh, God brings these animals, let's just say they're tall giraffes, and he brings them into Adam, and Adam goes, whoa, these are creatures that have long necks. Let's call them giraffes. And then he brings these other creatures, and they've got snappy jaws, and Adam looks at them and goes, whoa, I think I'll call them crocodiles. Come on, work with me. And, uh, and then he names all the animals, and he comes to the end of it, and he goes, whoa, it takes Adam a long time because the penny's been dropping as he's naming all the animals and it's a setup. And he goes, you know, after all this naming, Adam realises, wait a second, there's two of everything. One boy and one girl. They look really like each other. They correspond to one another, but there's some bits that are a little bit different. But apart from that, they're all pretty much the same. So there's one of each, two of each, two of each, two of each, two of each, and there's one of me. I'm by myself. Penny drops. Takes a while. And then he says, I don't have ever anyone that corresponds to me. And then the narrative goes on and says, actually, God says, that's right. I want you to understand something about who you are and how you are. So he says, it takes a rib from Adam and God forms it into a woman and he presents the woman to Adam. And Adam says, at last. In the Hebrew, it's like, hubba, 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 hubba. Hot stuff woman, the man exclaimed. This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She'll be called woman because she was taken from man. Someone rightly said, it wasn't taken from head or foot because taken from rib side by side, this was supposed to be a companion. Not someone who was a servant or a slave, but someone who would be because it's trying to portray how we are. We're wired for relationship. But then in Genesis chapter 3, at all time, it kind of goes wrong there because it short circuits. There's a tree in the garden that God set up, the tree of good and evil, a knowledge of good and evil. And he says to Adam, if you eat from this tree, you will surely die. And a serpent turns up and starts to speak to Eve and say, did God really say if you actually eat from this tree, you will surely die? And she sees that the fruit is good and desirable and she takes it, she eats it, she hands it to Adam. And he eats it. And at that very moment, they realize they're naked for the first time. Their innocence is gone. They've eaten from the tree. And there's temptation and it's real. And evil is actually brought into the world. And so this, this wonderful poetic narrative is saying evil is real. If you ask me, do you, Troy, do you believe that there's a devil? There's something out there that's, that's working against God? I'd say yes, Jesus talks about it. In fact, I, I read the newspapers every day. And I realize that there is evil in the world. No, you can't say the devil made me do it. But there seems to be some force that's opposing everything that's good in the world and wants to dismantle it. And this is exactly what this portrait is illustrating. Is that evil and temptation is real and it's part of our experience as well. And as a result of it, God comes back and he says to Adam that the ground's cursed. It's no longer going to just produce fruit like you. It's no longer going to be this peaceful state of harmony with us. In fact, it's going to be hard toil. And that is my experience if you've built anything, if you've pulled weeds, if you've ploughed the soil, it's hard work. And he said, that's your experience. That's what it's going to be like. And he says to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy and in pain you will give birth. Ooh. 
Now, I don't proclaim to stand here today and say, I understand everything about what this is saying. But um, I've been to three births in my life and they were hard. They were so hard that I actually fought, fought with my, my wife uh, about the gas, who was going to get it, you know, because between contractions, it's hard. <laughs> Painful. And once she wrestled it back off me, I'd understand why the increase. Someone can ask God that question. But it seemed to be that the, this womanhood would give birth and to be the mother of relationship and the mother of it, that would be hard. And that was, if you like, the ancient experience of giving birth. It was hard. And then it goes on and says this, and your desire to control, let's just go back, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Now, we could unpack this for weeks right now, right? <laughs> what I think it's trying to say before anyone points any fingers is that relationships are going to be hard. No longer just harmonious and we all get along. It's all just mighty fine and dandy. But really, there's going to be tension. In fact, after chapter 3, what happens is that there is conflict, there is murder, there is sexual exploitation. It just unravels from this point and this, this, this writer is trying to say, this is how we are and this is who we are and this is the one who's behind it all. His name's God. God doesn't just leave it in that state because in Genesis chapter 12, it says these things. He says to one man by the name of Abraham or Abram, he says, what I want you to do in your life, Abram, if you trust me, unlike Adam and Eve, if you trust me, I want and I make a promise to you that I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. God singles out one man by the name of Abram who becomes Abraham and he says, someone through you will come and be the mediator, the, the connector between myself and humanity. But what I would like you to form is a family, a universal family that will touch every family. And, and what I want you to do is be a light that shines who I am and I want to remake it and remake you and I want to start again so that people can know my peace and be connected with me and when that person comes whose name is Jesus, it wasn't named here, he will be the one who will do that and he will unify people. He will welcome them into my family. He will be the way in which they can do that and that will stretch into eternity. In fact, part of us being here this morning, a church is supposed to be a reflection of, if you like, God's family where everyone is welcome. Everyone can belong. doesn't mean everyone's going to be best friends, but it means that you have a part. Because God loves you too. You see, I don't have a belonging wand here with me today. I'd love to wave it. I'd love to actually let everyone connect in at whatever level they are. And in fact, if you're here today and you say, you know what, I just want to stay on the surface, that is okay too. But for those who want to go deeper, how do we do it? Because that touching movie, Song for Marion had grumpy old Arthur at arm's length with everyone in his life and he would say for most of his life. In fact, he'd forgot how to do relationship. And in community and particularly in God's family, in his church, it strikes me that God's community should be the place where people heal, where people understand what relationships can be like, where people learn to forgive one another when they stand on one another's toes. 
You see, it's not the perfect place, but it's the place where people are being transformed and remade. And here is grumpy old Arthur at arm's length to everyone. And he's afraid by the end of his life that he just does not know how. I wonder if you're here this morning and you're thinking, I wonder if I'm at arm's length. I wonder if I'm at arm's length and do I know how to do that? Because I've discovered over the years if I've bumped in and talked to people, there seems to me to be some, some keys towards belonging. I just want to share them with you at the start of this, this journey where I want to go on for this term. I want to unpack them along the way. The first criteria I find for anyone belonging is this first one, be willing. Be willing. It's as though you recognise that my arm's here. But I actually want more. I want to shorten it. I want to bring some people closer. Be willing. The second one is profound. Spent years, years perfecting this one. Do you know... The part of the way towards belonging anywhere, whether you're in a workspace, whether you're in a school, whether you're in a home, is turn up. Did you know that? It's uncanny, isn't it? PhDs, have, I'm sure, have been done on this one alone. Turn up. And then once you've turned up, turn up again. And then once you've turned up some more, turn up again. Because your presence is powerful. And then the third one, open up. At some stage, if you want to belong in any particular place, there needs to be a revealing of who you are and who others are. That takes some time. That takes some times of turning up. In fact, someone said it to me the other day. They said, actually, the transition for us when we began to linger. What do you mean? When we began to linger after a Sunday at 10. I said, what happened? No, we used to exit sign. Exit. There it is. Just in case anyone knows there's exit signs here. You know where you can escape. But they said we would linger and talk. We would open up. And then, fourth one, at some stage people would say, I want to offer up. I want to help in some way. Andy mentioned this. I want to offer up. I want to connect in. I want to serve someone else. I want to offer up. Can I help? doesn't have to be in these orders, but there's usually. And then what I find, after time, after time, months, maybe over a year, if you've been doing those things up above, usually you'll say, circling around the outside but not in, time's up, I'm moving on. Or some people will say, time's up. When I look in the rearview mirror and see where I've been, I feel like I belong. It happened, it transitioned somewhere along the way. I belong. I wonder where you are this morning. As Cindy and Chris come up, I'm going to lead a song at the end here, but I wonder where you are in arm's lengthing. And let me just, I don't want to ask you the question this morning, do you feel like you belong? Because that can rise and fall on the, the last conversation. But rather, what will it take for you to move from arm's length to a little bit closer? And do you want to shift? That's what this term is about. I would invite you on a journey with me. But it starts with this question, do I want to be at arm's length? And if not, what's it going to require of me to make the shift? Here's some things coming up, next steps. 
Engage Sunday on the 23rd. One way. Arms outstretched. Shorten it. Come and be involved. Serve. Cook. Feed. Write some letters. All those things will be coming. There's a women's retreat on the 14th to 16th. For some of you, that's like, you know what? I like the surface right now. Arm's length, trust. I want to just take it a step at a time. But some of you will be courageous and you will go, I will plunge in. I will spend time in another room with ladies who I've never met before who might snore. But I will do that. Because like Andy, I want to connect in. Although Andy's not welcome to that one. Dads and kids though. 23rd, 21st to 23rd, we're just going to get away. You know what? I know that's really hard for some people, dads and kids. So I tell you what, if, if, if you want your kids to come along to that, invite a significant other in their life, an older person, and they can come. Yep. Regroup on the 20th. We're having one Thursday at 8 for the term that we actually have vision night on where we all share together I want you to put this one in your diary if you don't usually make Thursday at 8 come along there because we're going to talk about the heart and soul and the strategy and what we do the 20th 7.30 to 9 if you need childcare, let us know write it on your card I need some childcare to help come along Thursday at 8 this week we start back and we kick back Thursday at 8 what is it? Well, we're shifting it and we're saying it's actually a big home group. A home group is where, or a connect group, a life group is where people connect in and they share about their life, they understand more about the Bible and we'll be doing some worship and song there and praying. And if you're new around here and you're not involved in a connect group, then why don't you come on to Thursday day because that's going to be your big connect group until we find you a space that can be yours. This week, Thursday day. And as we've been reminded, Real Women, another connection on Friday will be this Friday as well just some ways arm's length arm's length what is it going to take for you to shift from friendly to friends because what I discover is God has wired us for more I'm going to pray right now if you'd like to join with me and then I'm going to invite Chris and Cindy to sing a song and if you'd like to join with them as a way of singing back to God or just listen in then you're welcome to People who followed Jesus early up used to sing to him as though he was a God. And it changed them. God, I ask in this place this morning that you might help us to see ourselves and see you, the one who loves us and welcomes us into relationship with yourself, but at the same time invites us to go on a healing journey to actually no longer be at arm's length, but you've wired us for relationship, you've wired us to belong. I ask that you might enable that for us, for anyone here, over these next weeks ahead. In Jesus' name.